Kings chapter 4. I got a question to start off with this morning. How many of you have faith? How many of you have faith? Got a couple of responses there. Some of you are thinking about that. Um, well, that's, if, you, if you think about it, maybe that question doesn't make sense because everybody has faith. Everybody has faith in something. Maybe a better question would be to ask who or what or where is your faith? What have you placed your faith in? And hopefully the majority, if not all of us, have said, well, my faith is in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done. And that's good because we can have faith in many things, but only God is faithful. He's the only one. He's the only thing. He's the only place where we can put our faith and, and it's in a faithful person that God is faithful. And he alone, he is the only one that is capable of honoring and responding to our faith. So it just makes good sense to put our faith in Jesus. And that's something we preach all the time. And, and hopefully every other church this morning is doing the same. I feel like many, many are. But here's the thing. Sometimes our, our faith and, and the faith that we have uh, and the way that our prayers are answered kind of contradict each other. Sometimes we, we pray in faith, but things aren't actually working out the way that we had hoped or the way that we had planned or what we were thinking would, would happen. And so sometimes knowing that God is working things out for our good seems to be contradicted because we're praying for certain things, but other things are happening. Now, what do you do when that happens? What kind of a situation uh, are you in in your life at times when you're thinking, God, are you listening? God, are you hearing me pray? I have faith in you that you can do this. Why aren't you doing it? So I want to take a look at a story in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at a woman whose faith seemed to be shortchanged and how she responded and how we can respond when we have doubts as well. So let's look. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning, so bear with me. Second uh, Kings chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse number 8. And this is the story of the Shunammite woman. So verse number 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunam where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, well, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she hath no child and her husband is old. 
And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, wherefore wilt thou go him today? Go to him today. It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And what would you think she would answer? She said, it is well to the servant. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet, put Gehazi, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is vexed within her and take note, the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and stretched himself upon the child and, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite, so he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. What an unusual story. What a, what a, what a story full of things for you and me.
as most stories are in the Word of God, even in the Old Testament. We're going to take a look at this. We're going to see how, what kind of faith this woman had to be able to do some of the things that she did. And let's talk through this story before we look at some of the things that you and I need to, to, to glean from this. So we see that this story takes place in a town and it's called Shunem. And Shunem was a region where prophets were active. Prophets were out and about preaching the word of God. And so Elisha was one of them and it was far away from his home base of Samaria. So this was not close to where he normally stayed, where he lived. So he was out on the road. He was a traveling evangelist, so to speak. And he was preaching the word of God. And he needed somewhere to park. He needed somewhere to land when he was in this region. And so the story revolves around this woman. And she notices Elijah, tra Elijah traveling and she shows him hospitality and she gives him food. And so Elisha makes a habit of stopping by this house whenever he travels that way. And it's not hard for her to recognize that this is a holy man. This is a holy man of God. And so this woman and her husband, and I think it's important to note that she spoke to her husband about this so that they could agree on it together and so that there could be unity within the marriage unit, which I think is something we might just breeze right on by, but that's important to make note of. And so she and her husband discussed building a small room in their house for Elisha to stay in when he came through. And Elisha became a regular guest. And so he's so appreciative of what has been done for him. Because, you know, not everybody on the road that he traveled would take the time to build a room just for him. Thought through it as well. Let's put him a bed. Let's put him a desk or a chair. Let's put him a lamp. I mean, this was, this was thought through. This was taken care of this man of God. And he was so appreciative that he wanted to repay that hospitality. And so he asked how he could repay the favor. And so she responds that she and her husband have everything that they need. She's pretty much a self-sufficient uh, woman. They're a self-sufficient self couple. They're okay. They don't really need anything. And so Elisha continues to ask his servant what should be done. And so Gehazi responds by pointing out that the woman doesn't have any children and her husband is old. And so I'm thinking, well, why did you even bring it up? Because you're, what you're saying is she would like to have a child, but she can't because her husband's old. So it's kind of like, you know, when people give you that idea and then they throw it back, they knock it down right afterwards. And you're like, well, what did you say that for to begin with? Well, you know, this reminds me of, of something in Scripture. Uh, Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Nothing too hard for thee. And so this woman, this woman, and she was a, we could maybe go as far as to say she was a noble woman. She delighted in showing hospitality to Elisha. She delighted in showing hospitality to the man of God. And God wanted to do something for her. 
How do you know this, William? Well, I'm going to give you some scripture from Matthew 10, 41. We're kind of jumping around this morning. But listen to what Matthew 10, 41 says. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So something was going to be done for this woman for what she had done. And so we see this woman and she seems so content in her life. And she was. She says, I, I live among my people. And she was in a position to build a room onto her house. How many of us could do that today with just a thought? But she was comfortable and she had come to that point in her life as many women have and still do. I'm not going to have a child. So I'm going to be satisfied and happy with, with what I've got. And that's where she was at. She was okay. And, you know, having their own home and, and, and being amongst their own people, she even probably knew that if her husband died, she didn't have to worry because she had her own place and she lived among her people. And I can even imagine that maybe the, the kids in the neighborhood maybe saw her as a second mother because she was a hospitable person. Maybe some of them looked at her as a, like an aunt or uh, a favorite uh, lady in the neighborhood, whatever you want to say. But I want to call your attention to another scripture that'll bring us to where we want to get to today. And that's 1 Corinthians 2.9. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has ever conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And he had something prepared for this woman. And she just didn't know it and she couldn't see it. And, you know, sometimes for us to be able to discover the things that were mentioned in this verse, things that no eye has seen, things that no ear has heard, sometimes we have to take a step of faith. And, you know, it's kind of hard to take a step of faith when you're stuck in a comfort zone. And that's where she was. And I have to wonder sometimes, is that where we are? We're just in a comfort zone. We're comfortable. Let's leave things the way they are. We don't need anything to shake things up. We don't need this. We don't need that. Let's just keep things the way they are because I like them the way they are now. But the problem with the comfort zone is that it sometimes tries to replace the faith that we have in God because it gives us this false sense of security and this false sense of assurance and sometimes God will, will take an opportunity like this to challenge us and to challenge our faith. And when we're comfortable and life is going pretty good, sometimes we don't appreciate that so much. But we've got to remember that he is able to do far above and beyond anything that we can expect. So we become too comfortable sometimes in our lives. And Sometimes our focus even is so much on what God has done before that while we wouldn't really expect him to do anything else, he's already done so much for me. Why would I expect anything more of him? Or why would he do anything else? Because he's probably given me more blessings uh, and, and I, won't, I have to build up to get more. You know, it's funny how our mind works and think, and think of things like that. Um, but listen, Real faith lays claim to all of God's promises, but it also submits to whatever God's plan is, whatever God's plan is for our lives, whatever God's plan is for victory in our lives. 
And I think this woman had reached a point in her life where she had accepted God's plan that she wasn't going to have any children. She was okay with that. And she had become a happy and a joyful and giving person. But here's the thing, with whatever we have going on in our lives, whatever happens in our lives, we have to think about the sovereignty of God. That God knows better than us what needs to happen. And God does not have to ask our permission. And God does not have to ask our approval, does he? Sometimes we treat God like a genie. You know, we rub the lamp and make a wish and it comes true. We bow our heads, we say a prayer, and we're waiting for something to happen, something to come true. But I want you to think about some of the things in the Bible, like the Hebrew children. God let them go in the fire. They were doing nothing but what God wanted them to do. But he allowed them to go through the fire, but he was with them in the fire. Think about Lazarus. He raised Lazarus from the dead, but he allowed Lazarus to die a second time. Sometimes God uses medicines to heal some people, but not other people. And we have to submit ourselves to God's plan to be able to pray even as Jesus prayed. Not my will, but yours. And we say that we're willing to do that, but are we really? Because do we not get angry and frustrated sometimes when things are not working out the way that we want them to? Because see, there's more than just our answer to problems. There's God's answer. And we've got to be willing to be okay with that. We've got to also understand that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials, okay? And that God answers every prayer with a yes, a no, or a wait. He hears our prayers. So we need to give God the freedom to work things out in his own time because he knows what he's doing. And there's a tremendous freedom in that to know that you're not responsible for everything. That God is in control of everything. You're not, and neither am I, which leads us to an understanding that we, are des we're, we need Him. We can't do anything without Him. And we need to be willing to submit to that. And what I would say to you, and this kind of goes in conjunction with what we talked about the other night, Whatever that you need God to do, and maybe those things that you might have given up on God doing, let me just say this, it's not over until it's over. And it's not over until he says it's over. And in this situation, listen to this. So this is going to hit some of you a little bit harder than others because some of you have recently had surgeries. But think about this, when a surgeon operates, sometimes he has to mess up the exterior to get inside and fix the, fix the interior. That happens. Now, I know, I know they've got laser surgery, and sometimes you can't even tell where they went in and where they came back out. But sometimes they've got to cut, and they've got to mess the exterior up a little bit. And that's what God does sometimes. He messes up our circumstances in our comfort, comfort zones, in our areas where we feel everything's fine, leave it alone. He messes things up a little bit. But listen to Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. 
And so let's go back to this story for a minute. You got the prophet Elisha and he called the woman in and he told her that she would have a son by this time next year. And that prophecy was fulfilled and the woman had a child. But the narrative, the story was not over yet. It tells us later on that the boy grew up and he was a fine young man, but then disaster struck. And now what kind of response is this woman going to have to this tragedy? She was comfortable. Then she had a child. And that was a child of promise. And that child was a blessing. But then all of a sudden he's gone and he's dead. But instead, now listen, this is where her faith becomes very evident. Instead of arranging for this dead boy's burial, which is what Jewish people did usually within a 24-hour period. Instead of doing that, she took the child after the child had died in her arms and laid the child on Elisha's bed. Now imagine the faith that it would take to do that. It may be hard, but I want you to think. This was an act of faith. She believed, I believe that she believed that God could raise her son from the dead. This child that had died on her laps that very day. And she went immediately to go look for Elisha, to go find Elisha and ask him to do something. Heal my son, help my son. And so Elisha came back with the woman. She came back to Shunem. And let me say again, that no matter what you're going through, just like no matter what she was going through, it's not over until he says it's over. It's not over. Now this child again had to be so precious to these parents in their old age. They didn't expect this child. But what a blessing he must have been. Given in love, yet taken away. How unfair. What words would you have for God in a situation like that. You know, sometimes we receive a promise and sometimes that promise is taken away. And in this situation, we see that as well. But this woman maintained her faith and she maintained her confession in spite of her child's death. What great faith is being demonstrated here. And something else that she did that we would do wise to do as well, she guarded her lips. When asked by her husband, when asked by the prophet, is everything okay? Her response, do you remember? It is well. We have a song we sing. It is well with my soul. In some translations, you might read all is well. But that was her response because she undoubtedly believed that since that child's birth had been a miracle, then another miracle could happen that would restore him. What faith, what tremendous faith she had. And that is exactly how you and I should respond to God in our times of difficulty. When our comfort zones have been messed up, when things that we feel like we've been promised seem to be dead and gone, and we just need to do the same thing that, that she did, don't bury it because it's not over until it's over. She didn't complain she didn't turn her back on God. She didn't go back to old ways. She didn't do any of that. But she was submitted to God's authority, knowing that God could do something about it. We should do the same thing. Some of us, all of us, have difficult situations every day, every week, every month, every year. In this world, you will have trouble. 
But how does your faith respond to that? Do we, do we become doubtful? Do we question? Do we sometimes try to turn our back on God because we feel like He's turned His back on us? This woman demonstrates what we should do. And God demonstrates that He is faithful to those who trust Him. He is a faithful God. I think you've said He is good. I think you've said He is able. And I think you've said He is great. And if we could have found one in time, we would have a song that said He is faithful. He is all these things. This woman's faith, maybe it required a little bit of work. And the Lord was going to do some of that work in this situation. And so this woman immediately traveled to where the prophet was. And she threw herself <clears throat> at his feet. And she said, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you not to raise my hopes up? Didn't I tell you that I didn't need this, this gift? Didn't I tell you that I didn't need this blessing? Was she going to get this gift only to have it taken away? And so Elisha, if you remember, didn't realize what was going on. The Lord kept it from him. I have to ask myself, why? Why is this mentioned? What's the deal here? So he sends Gehazi to raise the child. And you would have thought the woman would have ran right with him. Well, I'm going to go with him because if that staff, if you lay that staff on him and it brings him back to life, I want to be there to welcome him back. But she didn't go. And here's a big lesson for us. And we need to listen to this. Because, you know, we need, there are situations in our lives where we need to trust God and God alone for what we need. Do you believe that? So she wasn't, she wasn't going to run with the servant. She was going to stay with the man of God. She knew this man. She'd seen his life. She saw what he did with his life. She had received a blessing through this man. She believed that if anything was going to happen that was going to be good, it was going to be through him as well. And for you and me, there are times when we have to look not to, not to a therapist, not to a pastor, but to, to God himself to take care of us and what we need. And so the prophet gets there and he finds the child dead and he goes through various steps in trying to raise the child. And, and it, it, just, it didn't work. And so then Elisha and Gehazi prayed to God for the child and nothing happened. And a couple of the fact that God had not told Elisha what was happening with the fact that he prayed for the child to be raised and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't come back to life. What's that going to do to Elisha's faith? Is he going to stop and say, well, I tried and it didn't work. But nothing happened. And so he laid on the child and the child's body became warm, but still no life. But it, it's not over until it's over. And so he put, his, he, he put mouth to mouth, almost like to breathe the breath of life into the child. And then you see him putting his eye to the child's eyes as if to restore sight and put his hands on the child's hands to maybe put strength in those hands. But still the child did not come back to life. And so Elisha walked out of the room. What would you have done? 
Would you have walked out of the room and, and what went downstairs and walked around the house? Oh, that's what he did. What was he saying? What was he doing? Okay, God, I'm doing this. I'm praying. Nothing's happening. I've laid down on the child. I've, I've done what I thought would, would work. Was he questioning? Was he wondering what, what was going to happen? Did he give up? Did he say, just bury the child? Or did he think it's not over until it's over? And so he walks back in the room and you know what happens. The child sneezes seven times and comes back to life. What's the significance of seven times? I don't know. What's the sneezing have to do with anything? I don't know. There's something there. Maybe one day we'll know. But he came back to life. And see, even in, in the midst of a situation where some great faith is being demonstrated, the enemy will still come in. And he will still try to cause us to stumble and cause us to doubt whether it was the woman, the servant, Elisha, the enemy is working really hard. And you know you felt that before, as I have. A little bit of doubt slips in. I don't know. I don't know if this can, I don't know if he can, I don't know if we will. And that doubt comes in. And then, then the enemy starts wanting you to think that there's something deficient with you, something wrong with you, something wrong with your faith since God is not answering your prayer or doing what you're asking him to do. And I'm going to tell you what, you know why we're acceptable to God? Because of what Jesus did. Not because of what we do. We're acceptable because of what Jesus did. And he paid a price, and it was the only price that would be accepted for our sins. So in Christ, we are accepted. And in Christ... We are acceptable. And if we are His and if we're saved and if we've been redeemed, then we are acceptable whether we feel like it or not. And if we have, as Scripture says, the faith of a mustard seed, which just seems like a very small amount, and some of you know what a mustard seed is, that's all the faith that's necessary for the biggest of miracles to take place. Do you believe that? Do you? That's what the Bible says. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe that just the faith of a grain of mustard seed is all you need for something incredible to happen in your life? That's exactly right. Amen. Amen to that. It's not over till it's over. You got to put it in God's hands. It's, it's nothing in my hands. It's nothing if I take it from my hands and put it in your hands. But if I put it in God's hands, it's exactly where it needs to be. And we hold on to whatever God has promised us and we don't give up. Never give up, never give in. So what is in it for us? You know, we've heard a few things here. I'm gonna point a few more things out before we finish. But what is in it for us in this story? I wanna say a couple of things. First of all, this Shunammite woman, we don't know her name. Why don't we know her name? Other women are named in the Bible. Why do we not get a name here? What can we get from that? I think it's this, that even though she is unnamed, God still knew who she was. God still knew what was going on in her life. God knows who you are. God knows what's going on in your life. I don't remember the line in Lori's song, but there was something in there that alluded to that. I, I know you. 
I see you. And that's a big deal. And, and, and he saw her. He knew her. He sees you in your problem. He knows you in your problem. Now let's look at what this woman did for Elisha. She wanted to minister to this man of God. She wanted to serve God. So she accommodated the man of God. She recognized that he was a man of God and she ministered to his needs. So she was a giver. But she also had discernment. She was a giving person, but she also knew what was of God and what was not of God. And you and I need to be givers. And we need to be discerning. We need to know what is of God and we need to know what is of the world. And we need to be just like her. She was willing to say, show me what is of God and I will support that. Show me what you are saying. Tell me what I need to know about this and I will support that. And that's what she was willing to do. And she wanted to be a blessing to Elisha. And he was so moved by this that he, wanted, he knew that God would want to bless this woman for what she had done. And she had the son. And her and her husband enjoyed this gift from God. And this son was a reminder of God's faithfulness and a reminder of God's goodness. And what do you have in your life that is a reminder of God's faithfulness? What do you have in your life that is a reminder of God's goodness? But then life sent a challenge to this woman. This son that God had given died. And there she was with the child in her lap. No, no, no. And you can imagine her heart in her throat. This child that was such a blessing, something that she had always wanted was dead. A blessing that she didn't ask for was dead. But something inside of her said, it's not over. It's not over. She said, God gave me this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't work for this. God gave me this. And there is something that when something supernatural, now listen, when something supernatural is given, it is accompanied by a faith that is not present when you work for something. Do you understand the difference? When something supernatural is given, there is a faith that is present when, that's not present when you work for something. An example, salvation. It's a supernatural gift that you didn't work for. And there's a faith present because of what he did. You didn't work for it. And so she was not willing to let this die. She wasn't willing to say it's over. She wasn't willing to, to bury this child. When it's something that God did, even though it looks dead, we can expect God to do the unexpected. We've read that in scripture. We can expect the impossible. And she had a faith that looked death in the eye and said the dead will live again. She had that kind of faith. She has the kind of faith that looks debt in the eye and says, you will not take me over. You will not take me under. 
She, she looked at her child and her child looked dead, but something inside of her would not let go of the blessing. Something inside of her would not let go of the purpose. Something inside of her would not let go of the promise that God had given her. So what do you do when a gift or a blessing that God has given you looks to be dead? You know what she didn't do? We don't see this at all. She didn't say, God, why? She didn't go and bury her son. You know what she did? She said, it is well. It is well. Incredible. Incredible. I don't think any of us in our wildest imaginations would have come up with that response as we were relaying this story that this could possibly even happen because many would have just said, bury him, he's dead. Bury him, he's dead. And so she goes to Elisha and she falls at his feet to the man of God and begs of him and and pleads with him and he sends his servant and it it doesn't work. And so they go together and, and Elisha walks into this, into his room and what did he think? Why did you lay this dead child on my bed? We don't see that. We don't hear that. But could that have possibly been a thought? Could it have possibly been a boost to even Elijah's faith to see this woman's faith was so great that she laid the child on my bed instead of preparing for burial? I'm going to pray for this child to come back to life. I'm going to do whatever I can until something happens. I'm going to pray until something happens. And he prayed and nothing happened. And he did what he thought would help. And he went through the motions and it didn't work and nothing happened and he left the room. And sometimes, sometimes you know what you and I need to do? We just need to leave the room. We need to leave the situation. We need to get along with God. We need to talk to God about it. And then when it's time and when he says, go back in there, you get up and you go back in there. And he went back in there and he, and he prayed. And there were seven sneezes. A chew, a chew, a chew, a chew, a chew, a chew, a chew. And he came to life. God can do anything, can he? We need, to, we need to give everything to God. Everything to God. We, we are given these examples to show that we can exhibit the same kind of faith in the situations that we're in. Some of us have faced similar situations as these, but we all face difficulty. We all have trouble. We all have problems every single day. Are we going to have the faith that says, it is well, it is good. God is with me. God can do something amazing with this. I'm just going to give it to God and I'm going to see what he can do. So many lessons for us but I just want to say this to finish up. Give whatever you got to God. Let him take care of it. You need him. He is there for you. Trust in him. I want you to stand and bow your heads if you will.